Hello, we're back. Oh, welcome, guys, to our Halloween special. And it's a little ah! spooky. Sorry, I'm just doing it. <laughs> you can tell we do a little bit of work in the bathroom. Yeah, that's right. Our Halloween special. Do you guys get into Halloween? Because we do. We do. Yeah, but we didn't in the 80s. Didn't you? No, it was very American, wasn't it? It It was was very American. Yes, yeah, that's right. This is the 80s montage, guys. It is the 80s montage. I'm Jay Jovi. I'm Sammy Hardon. And as I said, this is a Halloween special. It's called The Decade of Death. Oh, and I'm impersonating up, someone from a movie. Yeah, no, you're very good at screaming. I didn't know this. Oh, I didn't either. I just did it then. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Ah, oh, so what? You never went uh, trick or treating or any of that shit. No, and you know what? It was probably a lot safer in the eighties to do that. Yeah. But we just didn't see it as a thing. Yeah. Right. Right. It was just something, you know, nowadays they have costumes and fucking, you, like Maddie said, we were talking about it today, you couldn't find an orange orange pumpkin anywhere. No, no, that's right. Yeah. It was just good old bloody, I mean, there's an orange pumpkin in the fucking USA at the moment, but he's <laughs> he's fucking pretty Halloween. But um, his, we couldn't his days find a Halloween. No, I don't oh. want to say that in case I jinx it. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Oh, Fucking poor kn- America's been stuck on Halloween for four years, mate. Who knows what will happen? I used to, I used to sort of feel safe that we could um, laugh at American politics, but Australian Australian politics is not much better. It's not much better, and everyone's no. very antsy at the moment. Yes, yeah, we're kind of. If you're not sure. Uh, our listeners in the rest of the world. Here in Victoria, we're the only state in Australia that's uh, in lockdown and we mm. keep we keep getting these little outbreaks and no one's sure if they're happening or not or if it's just government mismanagement or not. But uh, we were meant to have a big announcement today. We, we were all meant to be set free and they've bought another couple of days. They've bought a little bit more time and everyone's up in arms about it. So... Yes, who knows what will happen? Absolutely, <laughs> I'd like to buy. I'd like to buy some finger clamps for some people for Halloween, so they can't oh, yes. use their fucking Facebook. Yes, yeah, that'd be cool. 
I'm um, I'm making some big sacrifices in my life at the moment. Oh and I yeah. Think, I think one of them, one of the things to go might be social media. You know. Dude, I totally know what you mean. See, see, I'm the only one that lives away from the rest of my family. They all live. The rest of my family all live in the same city up north in Queensland, and I'm the only one that lives away. Mm. Um, and you know, social media. W- w- in the past has been a great way where I have felt sort of part of Connected. the mix. Yeah, and I can see what they do day to day and all of that kind of shit. And look, um, yeah, at the moment it, uh, it, it just sort of gets me down. And like I caught up with a mate uh, a week ago who said he spent the entire month of September and right up until now off Facebook and he said it, it felt like – he had like gone and done like a, a a meditation retreat or something, like the just the 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 lack of sort of negative energy in his life day to day, and and the feeling of um, yeah, not having to wake up and feel like he's got to sort of connect in and kind of see what's going on and everything. He said he he felt amazing, you know. So maybe I'll try it. Who knows? Oh look, I've I'm not on it hardly as much. Yeah. And I'd rather go walking and listen to a podcast, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah, totally. Even Absolutely. if it's a bullshit podcast and it's just about funny shit, it's still mm. much more entertaining. Yeah. And as soon as I look at Facebook, I go, oh, my God, I've got to get off it, you know. It's just dumb shit. Dumb Isn't shit, it? mate. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Halloweeny things. Yeah, this and that. Like we're going to be talking about, I don't know, a few few famous deaths in that decade, a couple of serial killers, a couple of murders, a couple of crimes, uh, some horror films, some mm. sort of horror-themed songs. Yeah. We've, we've got a one-dick wonder, haven't we? We have today. We've got a one-dick wonder. Yeah, one-dick wonder's coming back. We haven't done one for a while. And we've got a commercial as well. Yeah. And just having a bit of a chat about fucking Halloweeny stuff. That's right. So did you go trick-or-treating? Nah. I've nah. Oh, see, I grew up on a farm and the whole the whole thought, I guess in kind of regional Australia in the 80s, the whole thought of Halloween. We used to have a um we used to have like a school dance. It must have been around Halloween. Because I remember the, I remember the costume people coming to school, because there, I can't really remember there being a costume place in my small town, in my hometown, and so in regional schools in Australia, the costume people used to come to school, and they used to fucking lay out all the costumes in like the covered area, you know. That have a covered area up north because it used to piss down rain so much. And class by class, the students used to come and have a look and and see what they wanted. And I think you could, in advance somehow, you could put in some kind of an order. It would, wouldn't have been via internet, obviously. You'd sort of write down your preference, what you wanted to go as that year. And they would kind of put that costume aside. Um, yeah. And otherwise you would go through and like pour through the costumes and see what you came up with. And um, 
Yeah, there, there was like a school disco and that kind of shit. But look, it was too sort of regional where I grew up for kids to be sort of um, knocking on doors and asking for lollies and shit. Absolutely. I remember one year I dressed up as a spider and I wore a black leotard with black leggings and, you know, and I filled eight legs of stockings with newspaper and stuck them <laughs> on my ass and walked down the street. Ah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> we did that at school. I went as a spider, ipsy-wipsy. Awesome. And, uh, that was a cheap costume and very daggy, but I loved that. <laughs> Ipsy wipsy. I spine. think I even wore a beanie over my head, like a black beanie, so oh. I'd have the black head. But yeah, oh. very. Gee, couldn't do it nowadays. No. Oh. Ah. Oh. See, Get I used trouble. to go. I used to go as a cowboy every fucking year, and then finally, mum got on my back and she was like, uh, you know, you've got to go as something different this year. And um, I had some good ones. I went as like a I went as like a samurai dude with a samurai, like a ninja one year. That was really cool. Um, I went, I remember going as, as a ghost, picking out a ghost costume and mum cracking it because um, basically she had spent... <laughs> Basically, she had spent, uh, you know, good money on a, a costume hire for what was basically a sheet with two holes in it. And um, she was sort of getting up me because it was like a, a bit lacking in creativity. Um, and she also wouldn't let me have blood. She wouldn't let me have blood on the costume. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a bit weird. I wasn't allowed to have uh, blood on the costume. It was a bit controversial. So can you remember any other costumes you had as a kid? I didn't really do that much trick-or-treating and that was about it. It just wasn't big in the 80s for, for Australians. Yeah, not in Australia, was it? Mm. The so, only thing I've really done was that gig we did at Werribee Zoo. That was the first Halloween gig I've ever done. Yeah, right. Okay. When I used had- to do... Um, a lot of them with 10,000, with my originals band. Um, mm-hmm. we, every year they used to have a big Halloween festival at the SB called Creep Show and um, fuck it was awesome. Like we used to – because you, you think of sort of like 600 grown adults all, all sort of um, dressed up in Halloween costumes and um, it went off. It was really cool. It was It was amazing. Um, and, and that's when I, I guess I started really getting into it. I think sort of when emo came along in the noughties, things really picked up with Halloween. As, as sort of yeah. for, for adults to do it, you know, as well. Yeah. To take part as well. Yeah. But um, in, in Australia anyway, so there you go. Mm. Now you've been, uh, you've been watching some scary movies, I hear. I have. So I had a look at um, Gremlins, believe it or not. Oh, fuck. What year did that come out? 84. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a horror movie but it's a little bit of a comedy as well. It's a bit cute. Yeah. I watched it. I really I've, – I've watched bits and pieces of it but I watched the full movie. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I liked Phoebe Cates a lot who played Kate Berenger. Phoebe, it yeah. Do you know? Phoebe, yep. 
Was it meant to be sort of a horror comedy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Because they got all mean at the end. The gremlins turned out to be these little cunts in the end. Yeah, they were full and on. Just, you know, stuff like that. But I was watching it and the one, the one thing that I, I remember uh, was I could hear a song in the background of the pub scene where they go crazy and they start smashing the pub up. And it oh, yeah. sounded like Peter Gabriel, but it sounded like big time Peter Gabriel going on backwards. So I looked into that and that was actually an actually a single from Peter Gabriel called Out Out that oh, yeah. he wrote for the Gremlin soundtrack. Oh, and Michael, Michael Sambello did um, Mega Madness, which was the other Gremlins track. Yeah. Which was another big track for them, you know, like a great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And Quarterflash oh, awesome. was on there. But I really like the Gremlins. I've never really sat there and watched the whole thing. Um, and Gizmo, the voice of Gizmo was Howard Michael Mandel, who does – is it Australia's Got Talent or UK's Got Talent? Oh, he was a voice artist or something. Yeah, he was the – well, they had voices, all the little um, – like, you know – um, all of them had their own voices and Michael Winslow was the gremlin voice effects as well. Oh, the dude from Police Academy? Yeah. So he was the one that did all the gremlins sound effects and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there was some famous people doing the gremlins. Like there was Gizmo, Stripe, Rock and Ricky Rialto, Robbie the Robot, Robot was it? <laughs> yeah. Robbie yeah. the Robot. And yeah. all these people had these fantastic gigs. I'd love to do a fucking cartoon voice or something. Yeah. I've done a few and I've been submitted for them, but they've never quite gotten the funding. Yeah, right, okay. I did one years ago and I was like, you know, this could really happen where this cartoon goes off. But it's such a long process to get its, um, you know, it's just commissioned and to see if it goes in overseas, you know. I think I did one years ago, like years ago, at sort of the beginning of my career, um, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was good. I've done a lot of um, I've done a lot of in studio work, um, doing doing ADR, where it, it'll sound weird, but when for whatever reason they can't get the actor in to do sort of sound effects and not ju- not sort of do the actor's lines but do sort of grunts or screams or laughs or that kind of thing that I've done that in the past as well which is yeah. kind of kind of weird <laughs> yeah no um, they still do it now Wentworth do it every week yeah right so you've if, got to go you fucking bitch or you it, fucking slut what does ADR stand for that people don't know. I, I think it's no audio. I don't think they called it ADR. There we go. Automated dialogue replacement, Maddie reckons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should know that. Yeah, Harry Mandel is that bald judge from America's Got Talent. So there you go. He was Gizmo. Bullshit, really? Yep. And he was the voice of Animal in The Muppet Babies. Fuck off. Shit. Wow. So Maddie's just saying that the guy that did um the guy that did Gizmo, Maddie? No, not Gizmo. That was Howard. 
Stripe. He did Frank Stripe, Wheeler. the evil Wilker. one. And he was Frank who? Welker. And he did, um, oh, Megatron. Fred, oh, Fred from, from Scooby Doo. <laughs> Which one was Fred? Yeah, the, the blonde guy with the ascot, you know. Well, Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem was, um, who was the guy that went, oh, Scooby. <laughs> shaggy. So Casey Kasem was Shaggy. Oh, Scooby. Oh, he yeah. didn't do that. No, he um. didn't. <laughs> American Top 40. You know who is an amazing voiceover artist is um, Mark Hamill who played Luke Skywalker. Yeah, right. You would never think so to sort of, yeah, you would never think so to look at a sort of young Mark Hamill playing Luke Skywalker who's like this sort of blonde, blonde hair, blue eye. Yeah, like a sort Mm. of heartthrob that he would go on because you you need to go to very dark places to be able to do the kind of stuff that he does like he does. Uh, he's famous for being uh, doing the voiceover for the Joker for the animated series of Batman, um, and he does a great job. The fans love him. The fans really love him. I think he does. Um, who else? Oh, he was the latest Chucky in the remake. Chucky. Yeah. So there's another one, and I remember the voice of Chucky in the remake. The recent remake was good. But the film overall wasn't great. Can the you Chucky remember? Film? Yeah. Have you seen any of Look, those bits recently? And pieces. Yeah, not recently. Bits and pieces. I'm not into clowns or dolls. You know what I mean? They kind <laughs> of disturb me a bit. Yes. I'm kind of not one to watch stuff like that. But Chucky was a very clever concept. Of a doll coming alive because when you're a kid, that shit used to go through your head all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, the movie, of course, uh, Chucky came out of was Child's Play, which came out in uh, 1988. Obviously, all about kind of a doll coming to life, and um, it, it was all sort of fairly weird. It came came off the off the back of like all these. Slasher films, which were huge in the 80s, like uh, Freddy Krueger and Friday the 13th. And they were all started with, uh, I guess, Halloween was was the precursor to all of these, uh, which actually came out in 78. Um, yeah. And that, that sort of broke the mould. Like Halloween sort of broke new ground, I guess, because it was all that kind of uh, – First person from the mor- from the murderer's point of view, kind of uh, filming, you know, um, and I guess soon after that, in nineteen eighty, would be Friday the Thirteenth. I think that was the next one. I think Jason Voorhees was the next one. There were so many eighties horror movies that it was really the decade of horrors. Gotcha. And they were so. In like I remember going to my uncle's house and all he watched were horrors. Like we watched Pet Cemetery, we watched stuff that I used to go to bed shitting my pants. I'd go over for dinner, and for some reason I'd stay the night without my little brother. Yeah, and he'd just watch three or four hours a night of fucking horror movies, <laughs> and I would go to bed shitting my pants. I couldn't sleep, but I loved going over there that I didn't complain. Yeah. 
But yeah. I did try and watch Pet Cemetery, but all these um, horror movies have been remade, and I didn't want to sit through a two thousand version of an of a movie I've seen in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. And look, really, they're they're sort of. I mean, they're doing some. The the Friday Friday the Thirteenth remake remake that they did with that dude from Supernatural wasn't too bad, but I love the original series. I love the original series with um, uh, yeah, it came out in nineteen eighty. Uh, it's you know Friday the Thirteenth is obviously Jason Voorhees and his mother. Yep. Jason doesn't actually Jason doesn't actually appear in the first one. It's his mother that's sort of bumping all the kids off because they're off on camp. Remember, they're off on summer camp, and um, uh, people start going missing. And Kevin Bacon is in that first one. Love a bit of Kevin. Yeah, I used to love Jason Voorhees, and I played I played Jason Voorhees in a spoof. Of like horror movies in a short film, and got to wear the kind of uh, hockey mask and yeah, and do that kind of shit, which was fun. Yeah, right. Yeah. Did that ever get off the ground? That movie. It was a short film. Oh, it had, um, okay. Had Samuel Johnson in it. Oh wow! Yeah. But Fucking um, hell. yeah, I loved. Uh, I love Friday the 13th. Many, many sequels obviously uh, and they sort of broke away from um, the Friday the 13th formula and they would actually sort of join after a while. And they remember they did um, Freddy versus Jason, which was Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street and Jason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yep. that, that was a bit El Crapola, but for horror fans, you know, pretty huge. But I think Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one was in 1984, Freddy Krueger. Can you remember when that came out? I wasn't a big horror fan, but I did look at Poltergeist in 1982. Yeah. I had a look at that. And that still stands up, that movie. And it's Steven Spielberg. Really? I didn't realise that. Steven Spielberg did Poltergeist and The Gremlin. So I was watching these movies going, Fuck. fucking hell, I picked. He was huge. He was bigger than bloody Jesus at these years, like with these yeah. movies and stuff. Yeah. But I did want to look into Heather O'Rourke's life, yep. the little girl that played the poltergeist or the little girl that the poltergeist <laughs> was speaking to. She played the poltergeist. She yeah. played the poltergeist. She played the little girl with the blonde hair. She did three films with Poltergeist. Yes. And her name was Carol Ann Freeling. And, yeah, she was born December the 27th, 1975 and died February the 1st, 1988. She was only 12 years of age. Fucking hell. Now, I looked into her because I think she's incredibly good as an actress. Like, I found her quite good as a child actress. And the truth is, this is fact, uh, that she wasn't going to do the movie. It was going to be our girl fucking Drew Barrymore. Yes, that's right. So, it was out of the two of them. And they ended up giving it to Heather because Drew went on to do E.T. But Stephen Uh was... In love with her, like loved her as a little girl and a little girl actress. She died of 
a cardiac arrest when she was about when she was 12 obviously but she if you look at poltergeist I'll, I'll tell you poltergeist one so basically she's a little girl and she can understand this poltergeist through the television set and then I watched it and the chairs start moving the mother and father all know about it and then they just attack the house and there's this huge tree and the kids all play uh, people that you know like there's that one clown that attacks the little boy that sits at the edge of his bed yeah and it's pretty funny yeah but she was nominated six times as an actress she won one award but she was also in happy days and I for people that used to watch happy days in the 80s Fonzie used to go through through women but then he met this woman called her name was Ashley. Ashley was this beautiful blonde chick and they were going to get married and she had a daughter who they used her real name, Heather, and she was the one that used to be the daughter of Heather that used to go out with Fonzie. So she's done Webster, she's done Chip, she's done Fantasy Island. So she had a good little career up until then, until she died. Yeah, yeah. She was incredible and... The things that used to happen on the set, they used to say that when she died, the Happy Days set wasn't the same. Yeah. Again, there was a bit few kind of funny things that used to happen. And she got very sick in Poltergeist 3. If you look at Poltergeist 3, she's quite fat in the face. She was on steroids. They put her on steroids because they didn't know what was wrong with her. And she looks really fat in the face. And she was actually quite sick doing that episode. Yeah, right. The poor darling. And then she just died of a cardiac arrest, which it was a, co- a congenital disease she had that she didn't know about. And she's buried with people like Jackie Collins and and stuff like in this wall. I watched this whole guy that goes out and checks out the grave sites on YouTube. He's a real freak. Oh, shit. And he goes out to the the sets and just loves obviously, you know, hearing about – or goes in and follows their grave graveyard, which, you know, Maddie and I have done a bit with stuff. But, yeah, yeah, she had a bowel obstruction or something and died. But I think for what she did as a little actress, it was quite amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, and a really interesting lover of, of um, dolls and she used to collect dolls and stuff. Right. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know that on her headstone, it actually—I found this quite weird. Um, the plaque on her crypt, the plaque on her crypt, actually reads Carol Ann from Poltergeist One, Two, and yeah. Three. Yeah, I think that's so yep. strange. Yeah, right. Don't you? Uh, it's not, not meant. You, 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 really. you, your crypt isn't meant to be like a CV. Yeah, but she didn't have a long CV. It was like that was probably know, what she came on she, the planet you, to do. I know, but you don't – like do you need to put sort of somebody's sort of credits on their – like on their crypt? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't found know that very weird. That. I found it a bit sort of – I don't know. Obviously the parents have paid for it. Are they wanting to sort of turn it into some kind of a – uh, a, a fan site, you know what I mean, in terms of like horror fans coming and visiting the grave, you know. I found it a bit weird. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. 
The only gravesite we've been to is Jim Morrison's The Doors, but I yeah. don't think he had The Doors on there, did he, babe, or not? No, well, as if, no. Yeah. Well, you, no. I just yeah. thought maybe it's that's like what when Europeans Man- do. It's like on Michael Jackson's, I'm sure it doesn't have, like, you know, singer from Thriller. Thriller, 50 million copies. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> just in Thriller. case. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case you forget who I am. Yeah. You no, remember? No, that is a bit weird. It is a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, she was a cutie. We might chuck to a little ad. We were talking yes. about uh, we were talking about Chucky just before. Now nothing reminds me of Chucky more than these bastards. Yes, and also Heather O'Rourke used to collect these, and we'll talk right. about that after this ad. Good parents, my Cabbage Patch Kids. The Cabbage Patch Kids. Each doll is different and you can pretend to adopt them. My baby has a real diaper. You can love and care for them like your very own. You're a pal. You're the only one. I love you. They're each one of a kind. They're Cabbage Patch Kids. You can give them all your love. Cabbage Patch Kids are each sold separately. Each doll comes with a pretend birth certificate and adoption papers from Coleco. All right, so there you go. The ugliest fucking dolls in the world they were. Weren't they? And they had that fucking, they had like wool for hair, remember? Shocking. They were fucking butt ugly. If I had a friend that had brought a Cabbage Patch doll, I used to keep away from that person. (laughs) I couldn't do that person anymore because it just... Oh, the whole, like that commercial, it's telling children they need to be mothers and stuff, right, which is fine. Didn't work for me. I fucking wasn't going to have kids looking at a Cabbage Patch kid. Yeah, it makes you want to sort of go and get your tubes tied, doesn't it? It's like, Jesus Christ, (laughs) bloody freckles and orange hair. Fuck that (laughs) shit. (laughs) Oh, God. You know, and I don't even like cabbage. Isn't it funny that little girls play mums and dads? Like they play at like they have dolls and something. So so like little girls have have sort of glimmers of the maternal sort of instinct from early on, but little boys don't. Do they? Little boys play with trucks. Yeah, you get Tonka trucks. Yeah, fucking Tonka trucks. Did you have boys and fucking Bob the Builder, mate? Did you have a Tonka truck, Maddie? I used to have big. Yeah, yeah. I used to have Masters of the Universe. I had (laughs) Barbie dolls, but they had to be olive skin. I didn't like the blondes at all. Oh, they needed to be Safari Barbies. I got a Safari Barbie who was olive skin and dark brown hair. And I fucking loved her. She had a safari safari suit on. Yeah. And I never got the blonde Barbie dolls at all. I ah. never found them attractive. Never nice. found them attractive as a kid. You know what I mean? I never wanted one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't a big fan of anything that was sort of like that, like girl and boy stuff. Like I just wanted records for Christmas. Yeah. I got into the Mickey Mouse fucking make your own Mickey and Donald Duck and paint them and shit. Yeah. Like, you know, the old bloody plasticine things you used to put in moulds and dry overnight and then paint them. And, you know, we used to always fuck them up. Like I'd always paint their fucking ears wrong or something and be like, oh, bloody shit house. Oh, look at Barbie. 
Maddie's showing. She Maddie's looks like got a, a bloody Mexican fucking <laughs> slut. diner. No, she looks like a she looks like sort of dead of on tees or something, you know. Mm. So that whole and that just looks like I love Lucy. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? I love Lucy. Looks exactly like her. Love it. Absolutely. So songs in the 80s? Yes. Horror songs? I mean, we could have played Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell, but I think we've spoken about that before. We have, as a one dick. As a one dick wonder. Uh Uh-huh. But there was also Thriller by Michael Jackson. Yes. We went through a little bit of, you know, All You Zombies, we've talked about that by the Hooters. Yeah. We started in the 80s to get a little bit. I think I saw more scary stuff on videos than actually celebrated Halloween. Yeah, right. Okay. You know, like it was more about the music videos that I saw and dressing up like Michael Jackson zombies or I never really put the two and two together. Right. I was just like, oh, we should dress up. Like, you know, I put a sheet over my head and fucking two eyes cut out and that was about as hardcore as I got. And went to your Ku Klux Klan meeting. How, um, <laughs> how, uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> how old were you when uh, Thriller came out? 12, 13. I think I would have been, yeah, 84. It came out in 83, didn't it? I would yeah. have been in preschool. I was in preschool yeah. in 83, year one in 84. I remember it coming out and I was fucking terrified of it. Really? Fucking terrified of it. I was very scared of the dark as a kid. Yeah, right. But see, I used to love that. I used to love it in the same sense. You know, I was compelled by it, you know. You are as yeah. a kid, like any of that scary shit. Like, ooh. Um, because I remember, I remember being fucking terrified of Kiss as well, but also wanting to know all the details, you know. Um, yeah. And I loved Michael Jackson as a little kid. But, yeah, I was so fucking scared by Thriller. I remember my cousin had it on VHS and it was the first time I realised, oh, my God, you can go back and watch it as many times as you like. And um, I was was fucking terrified. He used to whack it on and I'd just be, like, losing my shit. See, I used to be scared of the split ends. When I was very young. Ah, yeah, right. Because I used to dress as clowns. So I used to, my cousin, who's a little bit older than me, used to play I See Red and all that kind of stuff. And they were dressed up in their colourful sort of with their makeup and it used to petrify the fuck out of me. And then after that he'd watch Doctor Who and that had petrified the fuck out of me. Like I couldn't go into his room. It was just so fucking clowny and shit. Yeah. Um... But now you look back at something like Split Ends from like 20, you know, 40 years ago and they were such a clever concept. Oh, Such an yeah, amazing absolutely. concept. I always think of them as being like a kind of like a New Zealand version of The Cure. I, I, find, I find them sort of similar like that. Like uh, they're, they're very dark but um, like they look kind of a bit of a novelty. You know what I mean? Like you look at Robert Smith and you're like, oh yeah, sort of, you know, crazy hair and makeup and that kind of shit. But the the lyrical content and stuff, it can be quite dark. Yeah. 
I thought their music was a lot more up than, like it was a lot. Like what I liked about them was they looked scary, but their music was boppy. Yeah, right, like, right. Like see my baby dogging down the street, as he red, as he red, as he red. It's so up, really, and then yeah. they're just fucking like clowns. Um, where the cure, like if you look at stuff like the forest, which is typical Halloweeny. Um, it's very scary, and if you go to a cure, I mean, I know a friend of mine went to a cure concert when I was living next door to her in South Yarra, and she came home tortured to the fuck. Yeah, she was quite a mental case anyway, but she came home and she was just absolutely tortured by the whole concert because it was so dark and you know slow at the start, and the lighting was so amazing because they used great lighting the cure. Yeah, yeah. With the trees and stuff, and you know, but I, I saw Split Ends as a little bit of a, of a novelty sort of, but you'd have to watch your back with them almost, you know yeah. what I mean? It was yeah. weird. Fucking hell. Hey, while we're talking about clowns, while I think about it, um, our big fan, our big listener from up north and far north Queensland, Danielle, has sent us. Danielle is a big uh, fan of sort of, um, you know, murderers and serial killers and that kind of thing. People have sort of macabre fascinations. I'm one of them. Uh, But Danielle is an absolute, she's, you know, obviously she loves this kind of stuff. And she sent in some info, some 80s info um, about, I guess, deaths and murderers and... Serial killers in that decade. Um, can you remember John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown? No. So John Wayne Gacy, a lot of his murder murders happened in the 70s, not that anybody knew about them. It wasn't until the 80s that he was busted. He's the one that – he was the serial killer that used to dress up as a clown and go and play at kids' parties and it was so, he was sort of, um, I guess, the inspiration for – um, you know, Pennywise and so forth, you know, being like a killer clown sort of figure. And and I guess that whole sort of fear of clowns generally. Um, this guy bloody murdered bloody 33 young men and boys and he hid them all in his house. And he used, and he to, used to do kids' parties. He used to do kids' parties dressed as a clown, like, hey, kids, and then... And then Sort of case the joint and sort of see which ones he wanted to sort of abduct and and murder and stuff. And um, he used to hide all the bodies in and around his home. And um, I don't know why eventually they busted him. I think it might have been in in 1980 that they busted him. Um, But they found the body. He was married as well. And uh, yeah. he had all the bodies like in and around the house, 29 bodies they found in the home and it just, the police said it just stunk. Like it just stunk. He used to tell his wife that it was um, uh build-up of moisture. <laughs> How fucking stupid. So he didn't have a dungeon he kept him in or anything under the house? I think he used to like chop him up and ch- like chuck him under the house and stuff. And he his his wife used to complain about the smell, but he used to tell her it was um rising damp or like a build up of moisture and stuff. How fucking Jesus. stupid! Yeah. Well, they like to they like to give um it was big in the eighties to give prisoners uh some paint and a fucking bit of paper to 
fucking do some clowns. They used to paint clowns in yeah. jail and sell yeah. them. Yeah. And a friend of mine had a painting of this clown and every time I saw it in like that, like Batesy. Batesy had a painting from a guy out of jail or guy in jail that fucking painted this clown. Yeah. And yeah. put it on the wall as a fucking joke and it was the fucking horror, awfulest thing I've ever seen. But yeah. fuck we used to laugh. Of, of, the, of the what? Of the clown. They used to paint clowns in prison as oh, an, art, really? ex, an art thing. And then they'd sell them for 20 bucks, yeah, <laughs> like make money from them. Yeah, right. It was a big thing uh, and Batesy had one. I was like, what the fuck's this clown? Get it rid of it. Because, oh, that's my mate from jail. Oh, shit. You know? Far out. What hell? Which is full on. Yeah, yeah. There oh, you go. That's right. Manson's keyboard player was named after John Wayne Gacy. What was his name again? Madonna Wayne Gacy. There we go. But um, the, a lot of serial killers were busted in the 80s. Uh, serial killers sort of um, happened a lot in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, you know, there was Eileen Warnos who Charlize Theron played in the movie um, – Monster, Monster, remember that? Yeah, yeah that was amazing. Yeah. Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy sort of th- that happened in uh, in the seventies, but um, it wasn't until I think he was convicted, convicted in the eighties, and he he was definitely executed in the eighties. Everybody knows uh, Ted Bundy. Um, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, that was another one, a huge one. Um, during the 80s between 78 and 91, I think he murdered like 17 men. He used to sort of go to gay bars and pick up men and stuff and then take them back and, you know, chop them up and have sex with them. You see? Jesus. Yeah. it's it's. Do you know, a girlfriend of mine was a psychotherapist. Yeah. And she rolled up to teach one of her human like one of her clients at her house and she found her chopped up in the house. This is a true story. Fuck off. What yeah, happened? Killed her. So my girlfriend who I lived with was a psychotherapist and she used to go around and it was in it was on the news. She would go around and she would teach psychotherapy or she was a like a therapist and she turned up to this one client's house and she was chopped up in the corner of this fucking unit in St Kilda and I can't remember the name of it but it was on the news and she lived with me and she came home and she fucking didn't know what was real and what wasn't like I was like fuck my friend's just been through such a hardcore situation mate that's fucked so she needed therapy from that but people used to do that shit you know that's fucked so That's that was so the end of her client. On. And I think she was a friend as well. Like they weren't just working to get that, that – I mean you can't really be friends with your with your person but they were really good friends and uh, I think she might have gone over there just to see her. And, oh, shit. I can't remember the story. I should look into it but it was definitely in the 90s that yeah. happened. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I couldn't think of how would you react, you know. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, that's nuts. Oh. Yeah, so Richard Ramirez, can you remember that one, Sammy? The the Night Stalker. I vaguely do. He he his spree um started in eighty four and but he was captured in eighty five. 
In that time, he murdered 14 people and I think he tortured about 25 more. But he was nuts. They caught him because um, his, I guess his his crime pattern was really, really obvious. Like it was obvious that it was the same guy. He used to break into the house houses, kill all the blokes and then he'd sort of like uh, take his time with the rest of the family. Fucking awful. But he... Um, he, I love the story. Look, look that you know, anybody out there can sort of like look into the details of of his uh, murders and everything because they're they're like gruesome, too gruesome to bring up on this kind of show. But um, he, the story of his capture is fucking awesome. He, it was all on um, national TV and like in the papers and all of that kind of shit. You know that that there was a murderer. Um, at large and he didn't even realise, he didn't even know about it and he walked apparently walked into a store and looked up on the TV in this shop and there was like a picture of him on the TV and there was also pictures of him on the front of the newspapers in the store as well and when he sort of started freaking out, people started recognising him and he ran from the store and from his reaction, people started chasing him all through East LA and um, like it was all sort of, um, you know, Hispanics and blacks and everything that were chasing him and um, he tried to carjack cars to get away. Um, People were sort of bashing him as he was like running away and everything and he eventually caught up to a group of police and begged them to stop begged them to sort of call off this angry mob who were going to sort of capture him and bash him to death. Um, Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it was like it it was sort of one of those, you know, when you're watching like a horror film or something and you just really want the murderer to kind of um, get what's coming to them. Like this was a case of of him sort of getting what was coming to him. Anyway, he, he sort of. It was like a huge big trial. It was a big fucking circus. He he um apparently it was the most televised trial up until OJ Simpson. So it was like absolutely huge. Um he was guilty on 43 different char- found guilty on 43 different charges. And when he was convicted of like 13 murders and um 11 sexual assaults and so forth, apparently, and, and he was senten- sentenced to death. He said, um, you know, oh, death always comes with the territory. I'll see you in Disneyland, whatever the fuck that means. And um, he, he used to love ACDC. He used yep. to love ACDC. He actually left an, a- an ACDC cap at the scene of one of the crimes. And this is kind of... I guess before the actual time of DNA testing and everything, um, you know, they, they could have tested it for sort of sweat or skin cells or whatever, but um, uh, they weren't. They sort of joined the dots later. And he used to love ACDC, and um, he uh, ACDC when they realised Malcolm Young just completely denounced him and was like, "No, no, no, he's called the Night Stalker." Uh, the lyrics to our song is Night Prowler. It's got nothing to do with, um, you know, murdering women or whatever. It's got to do with um, 
I, I guess, sort of fantasies you have when you're a little kid and stuff and it just sickens us as a band and they were completely disgusted by it. But, um, yeah, he he um, he married a woman while he was in jail as well. Um, Jesus. Yeah, it was absolutely nuts. It was it was he he was like a he was like a celebrity. He was like a sort of uh, uh, serial killer celebrity. And another Manson band member. Ah, uh, right, Twiggy Ramirez. That's right, of course. Yeah. There you go. He ended up dying from cancer, so you know. Oh, the guy did. Yeah, calm as a bitch. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. That's when we went to England, Maddie went on a Jack the Ripper fucking night, didn't you? Didn't you go? Th- yeah, Maddie's favourite night of England was going on this Jack the Ripper fucking thing where he dressed up and went around to all the areas where he killed in London. Yeah. And so I had the whole night to myself in London. We were in this apartment and I just sat there and ate fucking M&Ms and sat there and watched English TV and had the night of my life and he went out. I wasn't going to go and a Jack the Ripper fucking thing. Why not? Nah. What's Fuck wrong that. with you? Nah. Not interested. Fuck. Jack the Ripper. So he went out on that and I remember that being the highlight of his thing besides the flying thing. Right. So Halloween um, is getting a lot bigger now. I think the nightclubs are starting to do like shit to make money and the supermarkets have realised they can make money with fucking stupid costumes and stuff. But I'm just not a huge fan. I just don't think it's great, you know, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I've never been one. But you were on a... Bloody horror movie with your band, yeah. Has that yeah, gone ahead? Yeah, we provide. Yeah, yeah. We it's um, been released all throughout Europe and the US, but it hasn't been picked up by the distributor in Australia. Um, and it, it. I don't know if this is testimony to the movie or not, but it's already been pirated before it was even <laughs> before it was even released it was on the pirate site to the poor bastards and it's just oh, it's no. fucking awful because like it took them 3 years to make the film and before it was even released it was on the pirate sites unbelievable oh no yeah but the good thing about horror films is they tend to make money and they always uh they always they they tend to lead to big bigger things. You know what I mean? It's if you look at sort of Peter Jackson or any of the sort of bigger filmmakers, a lot of them started with horror movies. Yeah, well, they get the what you mean the the cast and the producers get a lot of um, interest in making other movies or something. Well, the filmmakers themselves, you know, like if yeah, you can, yeah, uh, the the. There's something about horror movies that, like, it's a genre where you don't have to be particularly good. <laughs> like, the movie itself doesn't have to be particularly good for it to have success. Like, the success of a horror movie is sort of based on other things other than sort of cine- cinematic brilliance, you know. It, it, the, 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 the bar isn't necessarily really, really high with, with the horror genre. You know, so if you can kind of make 
make a horror film compelling. Like if you can make a good horror film, it will really stand out within that genre. And it sort of – it's happened a lot with a lot of Australian um, artists. You look at like Russell, Russell Mulcahy. He, he was one, you know. Really? He started doing horror films. That was his beginning. Yeah, but he never he never did any f- – no, Razorback did nothing for his career. It, nothing. Yes, it did. What did he do after Razorback? It got him notoriety. For what? The film. He did He did nothing else after it. Really? Nah. He, he was more a video tune and like a, a video clip guy. Yeah. I think when he did Razorback it really fucking didn't help at all. I think people went, no, nah, he can't be a fucking movie person. You well, know? Peter Jackson's a good example. His, his yeah. early sort of horrors are fucking, they're a bit wonky. It's it's I guess that it's it's a fa- it's the fact that he was able to bring a bit of humor and a bit of character into these horror films I think that may have mm. led to further success with him you know mm. yeah 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 because fuck did he do some dodgy ones well see they didn't have the effects and stuff in the eighties yeah so it was really tricky to you had to do it through cinematography yeah and that was always tricky for. People aren't really good at cinematography. The way you can see a shot in a movie, it's a talent. It's not about just shooting a fucking film. It's actually, you know, should we shoot it through the chair or through the fucking window? Like there's a whole lot of other things that get arty and creative that a lot of these people had to have that skill before they worried about the effects and stuff, you know? Yeah, 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 that's true, yeah. And, and and cinematography was the one thing that wasn't great but when they got it right, they got it right. Yeah. I guess. But it was definitely a genre that the 80s it was huge, the horror thing. Yeah, yeah, for real. But even like Steven Spielberg, right, the thing that I learnt about him, there was always a fucking dog in these movies to start the movie off. There was always a pet dog of some description. Yeah, The dog was always in trouble or the dog sniffed out a dead body. Like it was just every movie I watched over the weekend, it was like, oh, my God, another Labrador fucking smelling out this, you know, whatever. And they used to use animals a lot. Like animals were used and trained a lot in these movies. Yeah, I guess it's sort of that whole domestic thing, isn't it? Yeah, we don't see that enough. I want to bring back the bloody animals in films. Very expensive. Very expensive. Well, we used a mouse in Wentworth. We had a trained mouse in Wentworth. Did you? But there is – yeah, they do have um, people uh, bring in animals and stuff still but – Oh, it was just funny. But the thing with Steven Spielberg is he was a really good maker of characters. Like the Gremlins, for instance, was a fantastic little character that he put together. Poltergeist, the white light or whatever went through the, the, you know, from the tree. You just, imagination really. You had to use your imagination a lot more. What did you do with the mouse at the end of Wentworth? Did you just dash its brains out? No, no, no. They had two, a brother and a sister and... When one of them wouldn't perform, we'd put the other mouse on to run across the, the chairs. But all the girls were scared of the mouse except for the main actress, Katrina. 
and myself, but we all had to act scared. But they were literally shit, shooting themselves. Mm. But they were trained. They were just kept – we did tricks where you could put it in your pocket and no, no, they were never hurt or anything. Yeah. But they did have two because one wouldn't perform and the other used to have to go up, you know. I've there was seen, a tip. There was a girl. Yeah, I've seen ladies doing tricks with mice in Pat Pong in Thailand. Really? Yeah, but I won't say. Oh, it was, wasn't it was, a gerbil? It was a mouse. It was a mouse. Yes, they were ladies. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> and uh, little birds and fish and all kinds of things. Absolutely. Yeah. It was like a really dark Dr. Doolittle in Pat Pong. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. Lovely. Hey, will Fantastic. we have will we have a look at a one dick wonder? Have we got a one dick wonder? Yep. Take it away, baby. Here we go. Best song in the world, this song. Here we go. What a banger. I'm Huge talking about song the in song. the 80s. What's her name? Nina. Nina. Nina is very good friends now with Kim Wilde and makes all Kimmy's leather gear. She's a leather maker now. Right. Yeah. So Did she makes a leather jackets and pants and jumpsuits and all that shit. Didn't Nina Didn't Nina do like a duet with somebody just recently? Look, she did call. Oh no, that was um, Sabrina. Anytime, any place. You mean with Kim Wilde? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why they're best friends. Ah, oh, great. Yeah, they're best friends. So when you see 
Kimmy come out in her leather gear. Yep. Usually Nina's made it for her. Yes. Nina were huge in Germany. I used to buy a lot of their live DVDs. They've got some great songs. But really in Australia, 99 Luft Balloons and Around the World was their biggest hit. Yeah, yeah. And it was better in German, but in Australia or for English, England and Australia, they do around the world, they did do an English version of the track. Yeah. Which is shit ass. It's like 99 red balloons, da na na na. You need the German version or it's shit. Yeah, why would you, you know? Yeah. So they had, I mean, they had some great songs. I mean, very good looking band, cute band. Had some fantastic songs, but never anything else as big as 99 Luft Balloons. Yeah. Good old Nina. And they were number one for weeks. I remember it on Countdown. 99 Luft Balloons. And, and you sing it, don't you? Oh, I have sung it, yeah. 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 Do you? But I do the German version. Great. Do you but sing sort of um, Oktoberfest and Hagendals? Like other people no, we know? No. God, no. I do I do the original. No, no, no. Just love balloons. You know, I can't even remember it now. It's been so long. Ooh, but I emulate yeah. the sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Emulate the sounds. Beautiful. It's so much better. You can sort of repeat verses when, you know, the public don't know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that song. It'll always get people on the dance floor, won't it? Yeah, it went through a phase where people didn't get it. Like you've got to be careful with 80s crowds because they sort of get it and then you, they look at you sometimes. I don't know. We used to do it at the Elephant and Wheelbarrow in St Kilda and it was fantastic because we used to play it really well because that big keyboard patch is just dunk, 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 dunk. You know, you have to have that sound. Yeah. But people sort of looked at you like, what's this song? They were a bit too young. Oh, really? And then we go, oh, why isn't that working? And then all of a sudden it would work again. Yeah, yeah. But it's a lot, it's such a funky tune. Oh, awesome. But um, nonetheless, her only huge hit. Yeah. What do we say to our one dick wonder? Nice Nice one, dick. Still looks great. Does she really? Yep. Oh, bless her. Isn't that lovely? Now, mm. there were a lot of celebrity deaths in the 80s. Do you, will I rip through a few? Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock, he died, he was uh, 80 years old. Uh, he died in 1980. Steve McQueen died in 1980. Uh, Grace Kelly, Princess Grace of Monaco and famous actress. Liberace, pianist. Uh, Lucille Ball died in 1989. I can remember Lucy being alive. That's how old I am. Uh, Bette Davis, I remember her dying as well in 86. Uh, John Belushi died in 82. John John Belushi had a very 80s death. He died uh, from a speedball overdose, heroin, heroin and cocaine. Uh, overdose in the Chateau Marmont in uh, LA. It's fairly, uh, that's fairly rock star, isn't it? Shame he was an actor. Um, yeah, and, and who's who did he overshadow? Because someone did something there that night. Was it Billy Idol? 
Billy, Billy Idol. Idol. That's right. Did something naughty and the police couldn't give a fuck. They went to back to, yeah. He that's trashed right. the room and the police mm. were turning up and uh, Billy thought they were for him. They were actually for John Belushi. There we go. Um, Andy Warhol died in 87. Uh, and Rita Hayworth died in 87 as well. Very sad. But one one celebrity death that I just want to talk about for a moment. I absolutely loved this guy, Eve, Ian Curtis. Ian Curtis from, well, everybody knows Joy Division, don't they? So um, Ian Curtis was born in 56, but he died right at the top of the 80s in 1980, in on the 18th of May, 1980. He was only 23 when he died. Um, They had the makings of being, I mean, they were an incredible band. They only had uh, the one album. Oh, they had two albums, but only one released while he was alive. Um, And they had the makings of being an incredible band. Um, But more on that later. He would, he had a really sort of beautiful, deep baritone voice. And I remember they asked him once, sort of, you know, who who were you trying to emulate? And he was actually trying to channel sort of Frank Sinatra and a lot of those crooners um, with the with the sort of baritone voice and everything. It's really distinct. You, you're hearing. Um, you can hear it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. You can hear in sort of love will tear us apart. He's sort of, you know, love, love will tear us apart. It's yeah. re- really, really sort of very unique, very unique sort of sound to his voice. Um, he was really manic on stage, apparently. It must have been amazing seeing them live. Um, they're an English band, of course. Uh, but the poor bastard had epilepsy and he used to take an incredible amount of medication trying to get on top of it. Um, and it really fucked him up. It sort of, it brought on a lot of feelings of um, uh, sort of hopelessness and alienation and and he, yeah, he felt very, very depressed. And he, I, th- I think he may have had, I think he may have been bipolar. I'm not sure about yeah. that. But he used to have in, incredible mood, mood swings. He used to be really, really moody. Um, the songs, On top though, of being an artist as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. On top of being an artist and sort of mm. very in touch with your emotions and everything. But mm. look, the, the, the music... That he made while he was alive was incredible. Um, there's that amazing film that was made about him in 2007 called Control, and it's a fucking incredible film, a, a, an incredible film. I, I remember when this came out; I, I absolutely loved it. Um, his, his, well, the band would, you know, I was saying they were, they had the makings of being an incredible band. That he. Uh, after he he actually committed suicide, he hung himself, which is very very sad. Um, and I think his wife had presented him with divorce papers the day before, which, which um, is absolutely devastating. But um, his death came the night before the band were about to embark on their first tour of America, which would have been huge for them, no doubt. And it was only six weeks six weeks before the release of their second album, which was called Closer. Um, the, he he would be, and Joy Division themselves would be, 
massive influences on all kinds of dark rock acts that would come out for generations, sort of Nine Inch Nails being one of them. And all kinds of people have tried to cover these guys, um, like The Cure, Grace Jones, uh, Bush, Moby, etc. Nine Inch Nails did an amazing version of Dead Souls for The Crow, the movie The Crow in 1984, 1994, sorry. Uh, Crow was one of my favourite films growing up. I would have been in like year 10 or 11 or something like that when it came out. I, I loved it. Um, and yeah, very, very sort of tragic death. You've got to get out and see that movie Control because it really gives you a good, a good indication of what he was like. But the rest of the band after his death uh, would uh, reform and go on to form New Order. Um, and so this is one of those examples of when a band, you know, something happens to a band, something happens to a lineup, like the original, you know, original singer dies or something like that, and the band actually keep rebrands and keep keeps going. It ha- hasn't happened a lot throughout history, um, but there are amazing sort of there are a few band dichotomies like this where you know they were. Uh, they were Joy Division and then they became New Order and they, they're, they're sort of equally as iconic and successful, I guess. Um, and, and this is definitely one of them. But Ian, Ian Curtis, uh, amazing story there and, and uh, really, really compelling. Quite tragic as well, but like beautiful music. I love that song, Love Will Tear Us Apart. One of my favourites from, from, I think it may have come out, came out in 79. Uh, but it does get sort of lumped in uh, with a lot of, you know, in a lot of 80s, 80s uh, playlists and so forth. So there you go, Ian Curtis, guys. Yeah, it used to happen a bit in the early 70s, 80s. The Tourists with uh, Annie Lennox and Dave ended up being the Eurythmics. Yes. Stuff used to transform into other bands but not when there was a death involved. Like yeah. it was always a bit different but a lot of bands would go from one band to another and, and stuff but you kind of had to to keep moving really. Gotcha, absolutely. What else could you do? Yeah. You couldn't really keep it as Joy Division and, and use someone else because it just becomes too hard. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you remember? I mean, um, do you remember um, the the drag queen? The, the drag queen. His name was actually Harris Glenn Milstead, but everybody would know him, her, as Divine. Of course, I do. Yeah, one of the most famous drag queens in drag history. The what? start of PWL. Yeah, yeah. Where do you Which remember? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Um, uh, he he was incredibly tall, Divine, wasn't he? He di- he actually died in eighty eight. Uh, Harris Harris Milstead. Yeah, yeah, he um, did. I remember it. Mm. Yeah, and he was he was forty two, um, and he would die in LA as well. I saw Divine on Countdown. Yeah, like you know, he had about three singles on Countdown, and then I started getting into his movies. Like I'm a big polyester fan. I love polyester. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind hairspray, so I, I I started getting into his movies as well. But 
you know, it was a time where people weren't really accepting of that type of character and PWL signed him. We've sort of talked about this and and he became a huge icon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do remember him dying as well because my friends were huge fans. Yeah, that's right. He 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 was sort of a, like a a drag superstar long before RuPaul and so forth. Um, and he was in films like Pink Flamingos and Hairspray and um, sort of he actually met John Waters, the film, the legendary filmmaker in high school and John delivered his eulogy at his, at his uh, funeral. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there we go. Brilliant. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. We might get going. Thank you, guys. Our Halloween special. Bit of a chat, really. You know, just dotting through fucking a bit of Halloween-tinged horror stuff. Always a bit of fun. Hang in there, Victoria. Good on you, guys. Hang in there, Australia and the rest of the world. Um, Thank you to our fans listening all around the world. Good on you. I, I hope you're doing well. I hope sort of this podcast brings you a few laughs and a bit of happiness and a bit of nostalgia, thinking back on simpler times. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if you like the show, please like, share, review and rate. Rate us. Give us five stars. And if you're listening on iTunes, we're on iTunes and Spotify and fucking everything. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a little review. You know, just tell us what you think and even get in touch with us on social media if you have the idea for a great show. Uh, Once again, we've had a fan help us out with the material for tonight. So if there's something that you would love us to talk about, please write in. Please write in. Uh, And we've got the second instalment of the events of the 80s coming up very soon. You'll notice from the first episode there are some glaring omissions. Yeah? You would hate for us to miss out on talking about things that really meant something to you in the 80s. So get in touch with us. Write to us on social media, guys. And um, tell us about what you'd like to talk about on the part two of the events of the 80s episode. Uh, Sammy, you can, of course... Check out the80smontage.com. That's our website for all things 80s montage. Uh, We've got a gig coming up, haven't we, with Rewind 80s? We have the Wedge Theatre in Sale, the 6th of March next year. London. Which is going to. Paris. Which is going to come up. New York. Yeah. Sale. Sale. Maddie's doing gigs in New Zealand. Yep. So with, he's going to New Zealand. With Pseudo Echo. Good for him. Good on you guys. This is the 80s montage, the Halloween special. I hope you have a spooky Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, there you guys. Go. If it's. See ya. <laughs> If it's music, maybe's, or, or cool, cool shit, shit from, from the, from the 80s, 80s, we're going to talk about it.